0: Tony. Jed. What is a macho nacho? A macho nacho must be a, uh, I have no idea.
1: Hey everyone, welcome to Talking Records. My name is Jed and I'm here with my pal Tony. Hi. Tony, our various bands have been playing together since the summer of 2000. Wow Do you remember the Gabby show when you came out wearing a hockey mask? I I do
0: remember the time It would have been um, one of the only like, Halloween shows we played
1: uh, at Gabby's uh, Yeah, I do Nice It was wild and So I understand your current band, City State, has a new album coming out
0: We do have a new album coming out uh, I'm super excited to be doing this podcast, by the way So thanks for the opportunity Welcome um, City State has a new album coming out in December on the 28th and super excited about it. It's called Celebration. You know, it's uh, looking forward to essentially just, you know, being out there and releasing it to, the, to, to have the people hear it. That's awesome. And so how will people be able to get it? People will be able to get the CD through all major uh, digital outlets. We're gonna be able to communicate um, exactly where that is, but uh, also I think CD Baby, they'll be able to purchase it online and things of that nature.
1: You can find Talking Records on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Radio Public, and more. You can also find us on Instagram by searching Talking Records Podcast. Have a cool story to share about how you connect to one of these records? Send us an email at TalkingRecords at Outlook.com. Talking Records is a podcast devoted to connecting with friends over records we love. Today, Tony and I will be talking about the Mad Caddies' 1998 album, Duck and Cover. Duck and Cover was released on August 11th, 1998. This would be the band's second album, but the first to bear the Fat Wreck logo. The band's previous album was released on Fat's subsidiary label, Honest Dongs, a label Fat Mike set up to release material by bands that didn't fit within the roster at Fat. Can I ask you a question? Was it Honest Dongs? Honest Dongs. <laughs> oh, Dongs! But it was crazy because the record label would change names every release, so it would be like Honest Dongs, like hardly used recordings, Honest Dongs, uh, like. Classic
0: Fat Mike. Yeah.
1: The Mad Caddies, being a ska, punk, Dixieland, and reggae band, seemed to fit right in at Honest Don's. According to guitarist Sasha, the first album was written before we had played a lot of shows. Duck and Cover was written while we were playing almost every weekend. We were getting much better individually and as a band. You can only get better as a band when you start playing out live. No amount of rehearsing can help a band really become a band. Also, once we started getting out and playing with other bands, we realized how many bands sounded similar. That's when we made, uh, started bringing in other influences and made ourselves sound different. When Fat Mike had signed the band to Honest Dons, they had already recorded their first record, Quality Softcore. He agreed to release it, but according to Sasha, we didn't even want to release Quality because the band had changed so much. Mike convinced him to release it, and then the plan was to move the band over to the main label, label Fat.
0: I think it's really interesting that uh, you point that out to one of the things I like about the podcast is you let you learn so much more about uh, each album, but the fact that they purposely wanted to change their style, you know, because everything was kind of similar, right. and it's the thing I love about the Mad Caddies, I was thinking it was more like vaudeville almost mm-hmm. or like gypsy type music, yeah. you know, in certain parts of the, uh, this album. But uh, they said Dixieland, and that totally is, is, um, is pretty
1: accurate, too. So uh, cool, like, quote there and, and how it kind of plays out in this album. Yeah, they have a lot of different styles. It's amazing how many different genres of music they cram into one 30-minute album. Right. <laughs> and I can't think of anything more different than the Mad Caddies on the Fat Roster in 1998. Scott was alive and well in 1998. According to Sasha, once we got out and started playing shows with lots of ska bands, we realized we had to do some things that made our band stand out. That's why we started incorporating New Orleans jazz into the band's sound. He brought the banjo into the mix, and together the band created a sound that is truly unique. I also feel like it's what has provided this band with its longevity.
2: Mm.
0: Certainly, like, uh, the the horn section, the trumpet player, I'm not Mm. sure what uh, his name is, but, you know, uh, specifically on this album, uh, the trumpet kind of has this, like, character to it and uh, on certain songs. And I'm not sure who the the trumpet player is, but I would say, you know, of that time's, uh, you know, that era of Ska, Yeah. That horn player was like one of the best. You know, I haven't heard a better trumpet. Maybe Edna's Goldfish has a really good uh, oh, trumpet yeah. player. Yep. But you know what I mean? Or Scott with Real Big Fish. They they kind of have this persona of the songs, and I felt like that came through in this album too. The name it. of the trumpet player
1: is Keith Douglas.
0: Keith Douglas. Keith Douglas. All right, well, Keith, you did a great job on Duck and Cups. Yeah,
1: he's a good player. They have a good horn section. Yeah. A lot of really good, like, fast, intricate horn lines, which mm-hmm really uh, sounded great. The album was recorded with Angus Cook at Orange Whip Studio in Santa Barbara, California. According to Sasha, the original distorted guitars weren't quite up to snuff.
2: Hmm.
1: So Fat Mike had the band head over to the music annex where Ryan Green recorded the distorted guitars. Wow. The album was produced by the band and Fat Mike. He changed the melody line here and there, helped with formatting, contributed some lyrics, and helped with a few horn lines. but. Mostly, it was the band uh, producing themselves, writing the music, and, and getting it out there, getting it recorded. All right, so Tony, I want to know when was the first time you heard Duck and Cover?
0: The first time that I heard Duck and Cover, it's a great question. So uh, this album came out '98. I think it was about the same time where they did a, a Warp Tour stint. To commit, and maybe it was to support the album. I'm not entirely sure, but. Um, you know, I must have been 16, 17 years old. It was def- it was in Northampton. Yeah. And I'm walking around aimlessly, as many people do at the Warp Tour. And But at the time, there wasn't, like, you know, prevalent internet where you could just go and get access to music. So part of it was, you know, kind of find out about the new bands by going to some of these shows. Yeah. And um, so I'm watching this band. It was a side stage band, and it was a ska band. Loved him. And then I'm, I'm like, I want to buy an album, but... I don't really remember what the band name is and so I go by the merch tent that's close by mm-hmm. and um, I see this album and the album cover I mean you know it's a it's a classic one too so um, but anyways I think it's that band it's definitely not you know I I'm not entirely who <laughs> I was trying to think of like who it would have been it's hard to remember it was uh, it was genre of similar to like um, more of like a Mu three thirty scout and not this band, but I'm just so happy that it came out. But you know, there was, there was like almost no distortion in the band I was watching, mm-hmm. and this bit the the is it Road Rash? The first yeah, track that came out, yeah. like it caught me from the first time. There's songs on this album specifically that like uh, if I'm in a certain mood. You know, I can put it on and it totally, you know, gets me to a certain spot. Mm-hmm. So I go back to this album often. I'll be truthful. I haven't really stayed too close to the Mad Caddies. But this album specifically, I kind of grew up on it and I still find time in my life that, uh, you know, some go-to tracks. So that's how I kind of figured it out was um, by chance. And I'm glad that I did.
1: Yeah. So I might also be, because my memory also tends to be very selective. So maybe you can verify I might have been standing probably about 30 feet away from you watching the Mad Caddies at the Warp Tour in 98. Do you remember, did it like start downpouring in the middle of their set?
0: Dang. What stage do you think they It was like a mind?
1: side stage, like off to the side. And, I, and if my memory is right, it was downpouring. It but might, they were all yeah. underneath the stage except for the drummer who got absolutely soaked because he was like in the back. Wow. And I don't know if that's like, if that was them, I'm pretty sure it was that's the That's pretty Caddy. excellent. Yeah, so you were there too. That's yeah, amazing. Yeah. Is that the first time you got this album too? No. So I actually, my introduction to this album comes on the heels of their first album. I bought the band's first album, Quality Softcore, without hearing a single note off of it. Wow. I was heavily into ska in the late 90s, and here was a ska band on fat. Well, on a stance, but... Same thing, right? Mm-hmm. Real Big Fish's album, Why Do They Rock So Hard, came out in 1998. And it was this grandiose album, chock full of these huge songs. Right. But also a lot of filler. With Why They Rock, you could almost sort of hear Ska collapsing under its own weight. You know, it gotten so like bravado. I know. And so big sounding. But then, you know, the Mad Caddies kind of like snuck this record out. Duck and Cover uh, out in the summer of 98. Uh, As the summer of 98 was drawing to a close, and you know, it steadily remained one of my favorite ska albums of all time. Mm -hmm. You can hardly call it ska. I mean, there's like, like we said, there's like punk on here, there's jazz, some Dixieland, vaudeville, country, whatever. They've got a reggae tune on here. Right. Uh, Ska was already getting a bit stale by the end of 98. Its three year reign was coming to an end, but the Mad Caddies kind of shot right through that for me. They, you know, they were staying fresh and they were staying interesting with each release. I thought this record sounded great. The songs were interesting. The horn lines, like you mentioned, were incredible. Chuck's voice, the lead singer Chuck's voice was pleasant to listen to. He can kind of like switch between that like aggressive punk sound and that more laid-back reggae sound. And they just sounded, you know, unlike any of the ska bands at the time. This album came out right before I left for college, mm. and I remember listening to it over and over again. Whenever I listen to this record now, I'm instantly transported right back to being an awkward and nervous 18-year-old forced to live in a cube with a stranger and attend (laughs) classes taught by bored professors. It's just instant time jump. Right back there. Back to that time, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, it's just a great album, and uh, I'm thrilled that we're talking about it today. So, are you ready to break this thing down track by track? Definitely. All right. First song is Road Rash. This high-energy Scott Dixieland mashup is about a guy who feels out of control. He's going through the motions, not really experiencing life or his place in it. He's frustrated by what he perceives as wasted opportunities. Singer Chuck states, I've walked this earth for 20 years and now my mind is floating out to sea. He's been around for a long time but still lacks direction. Every time I look into the north wind, I can't find meaning, just a rhyme. I don't know, but I have been told that good things come with time. Let's go. <laughs> he seems to be waiting for things to happen, while barreling through his life, doing 90 on the highway. Such a good song, uh, such high energy. It. It's gets right
0: out of the gates, and the lyrics, you know, as you read through them, they're really great. Uh, especially at the time, you know, ska bands kind of didn't have this raw like mm. a feel to it but you know there was either super cheesy it was right. all super cheesy lyrics for the most yeah, part. Yeah, Gog you
1: know? bands were not known for their introspective lyrics. <laughs> and and this
0: one comes along and it's like whoa, I can get behind some of this stuff and the, the melodies you had mentioned but prior this you know every song I'm going to be you know about these types of comments but uh, yeah, this yeah. one specifically out of the It's gate, okay to gush over this stuff. Yeah, this song <laughs> this podcast. song specifically just catches you.
1: Yeah. It's a great start. The song kicks in with that incredible Mad Caddy's horn section. Uh, with Keith Douglas, the trumpet player, and uh, Ed Hernandez, who plays trombone. Mm. Just really great horn lines. If you crank the volume way up before the song starts, just before the music, you can hear guitarist Sasha and drummer Todd arguing about something. I believe Todd is saying, Listen for a second. I have something to fucking say. Don't tell me to shut up again. To which Sasha replies, Well, it's recording, dude. Or maybe I have it backwards, but... (laughs) That's awesome. You ever lose your cool with your bandmates in the studio, Tony? Uh, You know, there's definitely
0: (laughs) been times, for sure, but uh, for the most part, at least on on, uh, the the latest album, it (laughs) was pretty copacetic. Pretty civil. Yeah. um, That's so funny.
1: Yeah, there's definitely some some audio out there of of me calling Craig a moron or something. (laughs) Drummer Craig for for my being No Intention, but... It gets tense, you know. It gets tense in the studio. It sure does, and and you know, especially when there's like money and time,
0: and mm. you just want the best output. But uh, there's two hearts in it, four hearts in it, whatever. So yep. sometimes it does get a little crazy. But tempers run hot. I'm so, fu- you know, the art of a, a great uh, recording person is to capture that stuff on uh, yeah. on tape, and then be able to use it against us.
1: Try to tease it out of you. All right, the next song is "The Gentleman."
2: Think me, do you really want to see a piece of me that I, I, tell me that I'm something fine Once you have your smile, is it really worth the while? Want you need a talent, scan, open up and let me, yeah Do you really want your silence around? Right? Do you really want to be the one I lay, what Be me? are gonna see tonight, on a difficult design Tell you what you want yet, I'm another drink,
1: This was one of the first songs I played when I got my own radio show while attending Westfield State College. I knew it would be a perfect way to announce to the campus that here was a show with explosive punk and energetic ska music, something to really wake everyone up and clue them into the fact that there was more music out there besides Dave Matthews' band.
0: Amen.
1: I imagine people in their dorms tuning in being like, what is this great stuff? In reality, maybe, like, my roommate was listening. <laughs> That's probably about it. You know, he, he actually loved Dave Matthews, too.
0: What was your uh, radio show called?
1: Oh, I don't even remember. It was, like, oh. it, like I think, like, Honest Dons. Like, I changed the name <laughs> every week. Or I changed my DJ name. It was, like, DJ Trash Can one week and then, like, you know, something weird. J Money. But uh, just a ton of Scott and punk. Like, you know, like, anyone at Westfield State College was interested in that kind of music in the late 90s. (laughs) We needed more people like you. Oh, I tried. This song isn't like anything on Quality Softcore, the band's first album. It's fast. It's dynamic. The stop and go guitar rhythms add to the song's frantic sense. It's a song about putting on an act, seeming gentlemanly-like, but with interior motives that prevail. It's from the point of view of a real slimeball who states, when we go to sleep tonight, I'll have different goals in sight Tell me what you want to hear Have another drink, my dear Creepy Mm, Super creepy Super creepy (laughs) But a great song Oh, yeah You know, high energy, like we said It's really fast Uh, One of the faster on the
0: album Yeah And um, that's definitely an aspect of the Mad Caddies You know, they play super fast on this Mm -hmm. track And then the last track of the album, you know I think it's kind of the, in that reggae uh, vein but right. Popcorn I think it is so you know I, I just think um, this al- this song specifically it showcases that well
1: yeah the big horn lines that go through uh, really loud really crisp I think the recording quality of this record is really great like I love the sound of it yeah when I listen to Mad Caddy songs on Shuffle like on Spotify or whatever I instantly know when a duck and cover a song yeah, comes on. and it's, it's good,
0: you know, especially with the horns, because around that time period, and you would mentioned uh, Why Do They Rock So Hard, Great. when you listen to the sound of those horns, they sound produced. Like maybe mm. somebody recorded horns on a Sky album for the first time, you yeah. know, whatever. Rock View for Less Than Jake had a similar thing. Mm. These horns sounded crisp, yeah. and um, and you're totally right, The uh, the quality on this album. Shines through. Where did they record again? It was, was it Fat Mike's um, direction or uh, guidance to them to a specific spot?
1: Yeah, they recorded at Orange Whip Studios, which is where a lot of the Honest Dons, uh, Fat Records bands recorded. You know, Lagwagon did some work there. Oh, interesting. Uh, they also came over to the Music Annex uh, and worked with Ryan Green. And of course, Ryan Green had his hands in a lot of yeah. the great punk records of the late 90s early 2000s so that's the key it just think. got a real crisp just, sound Yep,
0: a good mix good master
1: and it doesn't sound like overly compressed or right yeah you know like canned like i feel like like some of the the ska releases that have come out recently it almost sounds like the horns are fake right you like, know? like i don't how know how to describe it but they sound like really uh synthetic mm-hmm All right, next song, No Hope. This song is obviously directed at drug users and people who drink themselves to death. Addiction is a pretty powerful thing and the band seems to suggest there is no hope. You can't hold on. You got no hope. It's actually a pretty negative outlook on people who use drugs. Maybe it's directed at a specific person and serves as maybe a wake up call like hey man, get yourself together. Uh, You do not seem to care. It makes no sense to me. Every time you try to take a look, you still can't see. Mm. Maybe directed at that person who's like losing control of themselves, and they just can't seem to to get it together or see that they're you know engaged in self destructive behaviors. I don't know.
0: It makes you kind of wonder what has Chuck gone through, had to see mm. you know to uh, have a mindset to craft these types of lyrics. But um, I think this is one of the songs that really he shines in vocally because mm. he sings, he gets raspy. This is another one of those songs that really. You know, them, the Mad Caddies as a band, it's a great song. I'd love to see this song live. I don't think I've, I've seen them uh, perform it live, at least not so in a while. But it's really tight. It's recorded
1: really tight. Yeah, that opening horn line. Right. It's so awesome. I love that. Yeah, you know, at a minute and a half, it's a fast-paced ska tune with shout vocals. High energy, intensity. I mean, the song matter is pretty intense, but the music matches that intensity. Mm-hmm. I feel like they do a good job of that. You know, you had mentioned that
0: on the um, sort of the frantic nature of the gentleman, mm-hmm. and uh, the, the tempo is the beats that they use, you know, kind of matches uh, the atmosphere that's trying to be created via the lyrics. So, this yeah. Is another good kind of concept of that.
1: Right. Three songs in, and the energy level on this record is through the roof. <laughs> right. <laughs> I love the quick note horn line, like we were talking about at the beginning, and then again throughout the song. I believe the musical term is staccato, but the notes are just like really sharp. Like there's no slurring. There's no like like leading into the next note. It's just da 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 And it's yeah. like really cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, that must have taken a lot of like practice just to get that as clean as possible for the recording. You know, when you record, everything's like under a microscope. Mm-hmm. It's like so hard to do things and have them sound really nice because you have to almost like get it perfect. And not just you, <laughs> the whole band needs to get it perfect. Yeah, it's a good comment. It's really tough. I, I've always found recording to be just a nightmare, especially trying to do like guitar leads or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But these guys are doing horn lines. They're doing guitar leads. It's just like wow, a lot went into it. All right, next song, One Shot. This song includes members of the band The Upbeat playing additional instruments on the track. Grant Cox plays tenor sax and Nathan Daldo plays the Hammond organ.
2: Mm.
1: It's pretty cool, inviting uh, friends or... People that you meet on tour and to play on your record. Are you uh, saying that just because you want to maybe maybe we'll weasel my way in <laughs> some city? You got reporting. it,
0: dude. Yes, uh, I love the. Gang vocal things, uh, but I also, you know, with uh, adding other instruments and players and, and artists, you know, especially when it can come out seamless like this, mm-hmm. pretty cool thing. You had mentioned before in this podcast about them, you know, purposely kind of changing their style. This might be one of those areas. Uh, I'm not sure that their previous album did. They, would they have ever played something like this? I don't think
1: so. Yeah, it's it's hard to it's hard to sort of compare. But you're right. Like this record is obviously a giant step away from. Quality Softcore. I think Quality, quality softcore, softcore was mostly just ska. You know, there's actually not a ton of distortion even on mm-hmm. Quality Softcore. And then you've got this album, but it's like big punchy horns and distorted guitars and intense lyrical matter. It's, it's just... Interesting. It's really a band that you could tell found themselves. Yeah, evolved. In this song, he sings, In a world of competition, there is one thing you can go on. It's your faith now. It's a song about the many problems of the world and how people hang on by clutching to faith. From one end of the world to another, I hear them say they need to find a piece of inner protection. Mm. I like how the song picks up at the end and gets very fast. You know, it sort of starts off grooving along Mm -hmm. and then almost seemingly out of nowhere, the guitar switches to almost like a country style bounce. You know, it's almost like he's going between like the A and the D. Yeah. (laughs) You know, it totally sounds like a different song. Well, this might be the first time on the
0: album that the banjo comes out. I think so. And uh, when I first heard it, I'm like,
1: "What is that <laughs> instrument?
0: It's so weird. Like, what are they making their guitar? How are they making that, they do that? that ska sound with right. that?" And uh, and then come to find out, you know, obviously it's, it's the banjo. And that picture on the liner art is so you know iconic. Yeah, He's just sitting down playing this banjo. So it's pretty cool in that way.
1: That is really cool. It's really daring. It's really. Like why not? Let's let's throw like if we can pull it off. Let's throw a banjo in there. Let's make it work. And they definitely pulled it off. They're not afraid to keep things interesting. All right, next song: Macho Nachos. Lost sight of all you've dreamed of. The force that swept you away. The leaves were changing and the tree was rearranging. The season had swallowed the day. I don't really know what this song is about or why it's called Macho Nachos. Mm. But that's a pretty cool lyric. Super cool. Yeah. Probably
0: one of my more favorite ones on the album.
1: Yeah. You know, it seems the song seems to be addressing maybe a person who has difficulty with seeing things for what they are. You want everything, unfair it may seem, your eyes have been closed for so long. In this song, the guitar solo is actually accompanied by a second guitar line, which sounds pretty cool. With two guitarists in the band, Carter and Sasha, I guess you can pull that kind of stuff off. Sasha plays the main part, with Carter backing him up. Or maybe Sasha did both parts, it's kind of hard to tell uh, in some of the videos I watched on YouTube. Hmm. But there's definitely two guitar lines in there, and it's pretty cool. Gives a great sound. They're like almost like harmonizing, and one of them
0: kind of does a bend at it one is. point in it.
1: Yeah. Really cool. It's kind of a neat thing to throw in there. You know, there aren't very many ska bands with two guitar players, so I guess you kind of got to find something for both of them to do. And the Mad Caddies at this stage in their career weren't really playing a lot of guitar solos and leads and stuff like that. It's pretty cool that they got them both involved mm-hmm. in that. Uh, Keith from the Teen Idols can be heard on Macho Nachos. The liner notes challenge us to find him. That's him actually yelling, let's go, in the intro to the song. According to Sasha, when our bands met, it was instant love and respect. They were in San Francisco while we were recording guitars, and we had Keith just sing into a 57 that was in front of a Marshall Cab. <laughs> hey, where you go. go bend down by that amp and scream, yeah. let's go. Let's we're go. gonna get that on <laughs> our record. It's all set up. It's super cool. Why not, you know?
0: I think that's. Uh, yeah, are there any other uh, in this? Uh, spoiler alert! Uh, any <laughs> other co- uh, collaborations throughout the rest of this album?
1: I think basically they, you know, they they had Keith come in and do that, and they had those guys from the upbeat come in. But other than that, I think it's all it's all, all Mad Caddies. Yeah. yeah,
2: pretty cool. This next tune, it's an older one. It's kind of dumb, but it's a good time. It's called Monkeys.
1: This song is nuts. I love it. (laughs) I love the horn lines and banjo. It's like an audio circus of swirling horns and ska banjo. The lyrics are quite simply about big tough guys who bully people around. I used to throw this one on when I wanted to annoy my guitarist Wayne, who loved hardcore music. He would ask why I was listening to grandpa music, and then we'd come to blows. (laughs) But it's so crazy.
0: Um, It's... uh... Uh, I will be honest, there are times where I'm listening to this album uh, where I will skip the track, okay? (laughs) I'm going to skip the track. I do like this song, and uh, with regards to their musicianship on the horns, it just doesn't get much better than this song,
1: so um, it's a great one. It's pretty amazing. I mean, I wasn't listening to anything that sounded like this in 1998. Not at all. (laughs) And it's like, you know, if... like. If another band or, like, a non-punk or non-ska band, like, had the song out on the radio, I'd probably be like, this is the worst. But because it's the Mad Caddies, and I like the Mad Caddies, like, you just kind of, like, adapt yourself to Go being with okay it. with songs that are wacky and weird like this one.
0: And what's great about the... the <laughs> almost like eclectic side of, of ducking cover is that this song fits right in it's it a pivotable it's a critical part of the making the whole you know piece of the puzzle and uh and i don't know uh there's a few other tracks on here that are like that too but monkeys definitely stands out as
1: uh one of the more unique ones on it yeah it doesn't sound out of place for being a song that's so crazy right <laughs> exactly yeah what well, better said and it's a rather daring move by a band to include, you know, all these nods to jazz and Dixie on their second album, mm. you know, their debut on Fat Records. Uh, but it's excellent, you know, right? It's a, it was the right move. Mm-hmm. The band have always uh, shied away from labeling themselves as a ska band, preferring to experiment with many styles. It works, and uh, you know, it keeps things fresh. Like I said, I feel like this is the reason why the Mad Caddies sort of made it through the ska boom and kind of came out on the other side. They're, they're
0: really good musicians, you know, and they craft really good songs.
1: They do. Apparently it was the band's guitarist, Sasha, who brought a lot of these Dixieland jazz ideas uh, into the band. Wow.
0: Interesting. I was That's a good comment about like where that influence kind of comes from. Uh, what's great about the influence is that the rest of the
1: band pulls it off pretty seamless, too. They do willing to follow him down that road. Yeah, look yeah That's out. a lot of trust in your bandmates. <laughs> I love how the song suddenly switches tempo after the horn lines and grooves along for a moment. You can really hear the banjo clanking along before the song charges back into this crazy assault of sound again. Ah, uh, yeah, this song's definitely a little nuts. And that concludes Side A, and what a way to close it out. Wow. All that's right. right. I forgot we're talking records, mm-hmm. and records have sides. Side A, Side B. Next song, the Connell line. I heard you call my name. Now it's not the same
2: when I hear a voice that plays. Yeah, yeah. Locked of in the van. You'll never understand the back part that's all inside me. I've got responsibilities. You've got this too. I'm trying to what I'm about to do. Every time I do something, you wise, I'm stuck in your blue eyes, I'm a single voice on the phone.
1: Side B kicks off with a Connelline, a song about touring and being away from a loved one. I've got responsibilities, you've got them too. I'm trying, but what am I supposed to do? Every time I drift off in your blue eyes, thinking about the angel's voice on the phone, I get that sinking feeling, I'm never going to be home. Deep. I don't know how people tour for long stretches of time, especially when they have kids at home. It must be super tough to just be gone for months at a time, and though bands are technically working, it's work they enjoy. Sure. You know, so I often wonder how much guilt plays in. You know, you're out there, you're playing shows, you're drinking with your friends, you're meeting people, you're working. Yeah. But you're having a good time doing it. You know. No doubt. I think as long as you uh,
0: maybe stay connected, mm. you know, somehow uh, you're probably in a good spot. But. Um, Uh, so when was uh, quality
1: softcore out it came out like 96 or 97 okay so
0: they had plenty of time to put that album out and then kind of live the road life Mm. which uh, is interesting and um, McConnell line must have been their van
1: yeah I don't know what that reference is so I guess they could have called the song the van yeah But, you know, they called it a Connell line. It's fine. There's a lot of bands that have, like, songs about their tour bus or their Mm -hmm. their tour van. You know, Spring Hill Jack has that Jolene song. That's right. About their van. But again, it's, you know, going back to that conversation about, you know, families and leaving people behind. You know, someone's got to stay behind. Someone's got to get the kids off to school, you know, while you're out playing shows. This was actually examined in that 2011 documentary, The Other F Word. Did you ever see that? No. It's pretty good. It's about people, it's about bands. Uh, it features mostly, uh, Jim from Pennywise and it talks just about like touring, but like trying to balance touring with like having Mm -hmm. a life at home. And I feel like this song does like a really nice job of sort of talking about that and looking at that and balance, trying to balance all that stuff, you know, that's really great. All right. The next song, the joust.
0: Joust, what a great song name for a song. I don't really know what the heck they're even <laughs> saying. I don't, is he speaking English at some times?
1: Yeah, I don't know. Maybe. I think so. It's, just a it's, lyric sheet here. I can see that there is. Oh, yeah, we should definitely check it out. <laughs> what are these lyrics about? While you're checking on that, I'm, I'm just going to say that, like, you know, Bouncing Between Scott and Punk, this song looks at everyday battles that people are faced with. I mean, at least that's what I think. You know, about how this goes back through time, he seems to be suggesting, like, this mystical, like, through time, humans have walked the earth. Ever since humans have been alive, some battle has been fought, whether it's a war or an inner battle. Honestly, I labored over the song, trying to figure out what it was about, and just shy of, like, emailing or calling the band and saying, hey, what's this song about? I just, like, couldn't figure it out. It's
0: very deep lyrics. Man, as I read them, Chuck, the lead singer, kind of one of those songs that, uh... Throughout this album, you know, he, he's a good lyricist. Yes. He, he does a good job of, um, you know, using certain words and being able to kind of create, like, you know, a vision in somebody's mind through the words. Yeah, he can
1: be very ambiguous. Mm. You know, he relies a lot on imagery. Yes. Uh, notions over a more narrative approach. You know, some bands have songs, you know, it was Friday night, I went on a date, you know. He's mm-hmm. more sort of like just kind of putting it out there, kind of putting ideas out there. Mm-hmm. He sings, Look alive, stand tall, now do not reveal your secrets. Generations of achievements shall not be left behind. I never knew there was a hidden source of power. The ancients built this tower that we all must keep alive. Know, maybe it's about right. Freemasons or like the Illuminati or something. Yeah, what do you think? That's <laughs> I have creepy. no idea. I have no idea. Interesting. It's just a good song. I like it a lot. It's, you know, It's got that good ska groove. Totally. Uh, And that's it. That's all I got. Good one. All right, let's move on. Next song is Betty. song was co-written by fat mike from no effects and a few other guys the liner notes lists both jake burton and justin fisher as co-writers why did it take so many people to write this one Mm. (laughs) i always found it a bit slow and maybe a little uninteresting when i was 18 now i love it it took a while to grow on me though it's got a swinging rhythm the guitar switches between the first and third beat and then suddenly it's on 2 and 4, which is cool. I don't know. For me, it's it's not one of the, mo- the more standout tracks.
0: It, as you start to dissect a little bit more about the rhythm changes and uh, the collaboration with Fab Mike, the you know, song becomes a lot more interesting. Mm. Um, it is another one of those songs where it's a little bit different than sort of like the status quo. But uh, really remarkably recorded. The sound yes. quality is great on it. Yep. I'm curious to hear how this uh, record sounds versus you know what you can get on Spotify mm. or whatever. But just uh, uh, interesting on the uh, horns again.
1: Betty is about leaving someone behind who doesn't do right by you. In this song, the gal, you did me over, played me to the end. You took everything. I had no feelings left to spend. He refers to her as a fiend who doesn't deserve his sympathy. Mm. Before you waste more of my time, let me give you a little piece of my mind. I'm sending you down the road, and I'll be fine. Mm. Grant Cox from the Upbeat returns to supply some more tenor saxophone on this track. But other than that, you know, like I said, it's kind of a song that never really grabbed me. I like it. I'm not saying that I, I don't enjoy the song. I'm not saying that I, I skip it when it comes on, but for me, there's so many really great songs yeah. on this album, and for me, this one kind of lands with a thud, which is surprising because it was like co-written by Fat Mike. It's got these other guys involved. It it should be like a really great tune, freaking epic. Yeah, but it's just, I'm I don't with know. You. Okay,
0: is... I, I'm with you. Ah. I'm with you. You saw me. I swear you. Well, I mean, there it is like a good track, but uh, you know, as you lay all those things out, yeah, it should have been better. <laughs>
1: And maybe I'm missing the point. I don't know. I've never professed to be an expert or, like, smarter than anybody else or, like, have better tastes. My tastes are pretty wacky. But for me, the song always just kind of went by and I never really, there's just, I don't know, I can't really explain. Bye, Betty. Yeah. So we're going to move right along to Apathetic. A full-on punk rock tune. They gave the horn section a break for this one. In typical punk rock fashion, this song complains about the system. A system put in place. Dollars bear their face. Equal rights those who can't afford to pay. And all the while most people are just standing by and letting this happen. It's a complaint about both sides of the coin. Wake up people! The band hopes people will take notice as oppression plants rebellion's seed. That record's yeah, man. Gotta have
2: one <laughs> hot song
0: on there. Gotta have
1: a political tune.
0: <laughs> yep. Yeah. Uh, Make sure know, the
1: people are paying attention.
0: Chuck does a good job here screaming and, and yes. also singing, too. So it kind of shows his full range.
1: Yeah, it's a great song. I'm not sure
0: if uh, many of the other songs are in minor scales, but uh, mm. clearly this one is and uh, it rips.
1: Yeah, I mean, I love how the band effortlessly slides between... Different styles, all these things going on on the album, and it still feels very focused. Yeah. Uh, the standout on this song are the big vocal harmonies throughout. This song, "Econoline" and "The Gentleman" are all about the same length, at two minutes and fourteen seconds. Wow. I guess another thing you can say about this band is they're pretty efficient.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say that was, those are short tracks, but they they pack a lot in. It's a
1: lot in there, and they're playing choruses at least twice. Fast, you know, great lyrics, explosive horn lines. Uh, this is why we keep coming back to this record. Memorable you know? melodies, yep. you know,
0: melodies that like just stick in your head. You anticipate them. You've listened to them for so long that like they're just stuck there, and mm-hmm. and they always will be, for good reason. Very catchy. All
1: right, next song is "Medium Unwell." <laughs> Love the song with its dark guitar line and darker lyrics. The guitar lead is low on the neck and grinds forward like a march.
0: It is uh, a classic riff. I gotta learn it right now. <laughs> After this song, I have to learn it because it's just. We've got a couple you know, guitars here. We'll, we'll both be ripping it.
1: Chuck is singing the burning version of a man who's lost his will to live. The fight is over when there is nothing left to have or give. This song could be about a lot of things, but to me, it sounds like it's a dramatic take on having a fever.
2: Mm. That's, a good,
0: <laughs> that's a good read. I always wanted to write a song that was really heavy. You know, I guess we, we almost had the, one of them, but you know, that heavy riff and then somehow getting it into Ska, mm. and they do it. They do it yeah. so good, and yeah.
1: uh, this is a fun song. It's fun. It's, it cracks me up because it's so dark and it's so dramatic but he's singing my head is hurting my eyes are growing cold the hallucinations of demons in disguise knocking at his door no slumber anymore and it comes around when you least expect all point to having some sort of illness Mm. i'm probably way off or maybe i'm close i don't know it's an awesome song Again, once again, has the band experimenting with mixing styles, like you said. Do you think it's it's him having a really bad cold? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that's so funny. That's my take on it. Small piece of advice. He's like in bed shivering, like, release me <laughs> yeah, from no, this pain. Yeah, that's a good one. That's my take on it. I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> Chuck. I love the muted trumpet part in the middle that switches into almost like a demented like circus rhythm.
0: Thank you for bringing up the mute. He uses it on this album uh, pretty consistently, yeah. and, and that was kind of one of the first times, uh, as I go back, maybe maybe on Real Big Fish and a few other uh, Sky albums, there's a lot of it that I just... But this one was very prominent, mm-hmm. and uh, helps kind of build that character, of the horn section. Yeah, uh, Good point of bringing that up here, because it really does shine through on this track.
1: It sounds really cool. Mm-hmm. Such a crazy song, like in these minor keys, and then you've got this muted trumpet, this like demented, like almost like... I don't know if it's like a, a waltz or whatever, but the way it switches the rhythm up it's a really cool arrangement yeah alright last song on the album is Popcorn
0: is honestly one of my favorite tracks on this album yes it, it is uh, saving the best for last yeah really and to round out all that they just put together and then put this as the piece of popcorn on top cherry mm. on top yep it um, <laughs> this is the type of track that it doesn't matter if i'm like super upset or mm. or just need to kind of bring myself back to level set music can kind of heal sometimes and, Definitely. and this is a song that for me It's one of the reasons why this is one of my favorite albums is really because of this track. There's plenty of others and and, you know, 11 other tracks that are fantastic, but Mm -hmm. Popcorn takes it for me. I'm looking forward to uh, talking more about this one.
1: Yeah, you know, I'm going to go ahead and say this is my favorite track on the record. Super awesome. I love the reggae style and the melody. Chuck's voice sounds amazing. And that snare drum. It's a special track. I love that snare drum sound on this song. I mean, I know... It's the same snare drum sound as the rest of the album, but for some reason on it this pins. song, because maybe he's playing like on the rim for most of yeah. it, and when he hits that snare, it's like, it's just like you feel it.
0: It's real full and, and, um, and big. It's you a know, huge like, sound,
1: yeah. yeah. Uh, you hear it right in the intro with the quick roll. Drummer Todd Rosenberg switches between, like, I don't know if it's a wood block or maybe just the snare rim, mm-hmm. and then comes back on the snare, and it just sounds huge. How about the, uh, I know we're skipping ahead, but the guitar solo? Yeah. Meow, meow, meow. (laughs) (laughs) It's very cool. It's like they didn't, it's almost like they didn't know like really how to get a guitar solo. It was such a laid back song. (laughs) Right. And like Sasha or or maybe (laughs) Carter. But he was just like, hey, let me groove on this for a bit. And he was probably just like noodling around. He was like, check this out. Look what I've got. Yeah. He puts it in there and it sounds awesome. And... If we can't say enough great things about the song, I love Mark Iverson's bass line. Mm. I just follow that bass line when I listen to the song. You know, it's a song about enjoying life. He writes from the point of view of someone appreciating a good fire on a starry night. A song about reflection and being all right with things.
0: Lyrically, the rest of the album is pretty dark. Yeah. Because this this was a great way to end a ska punk album. Is sure. like yep. You know, on the up.
1: It's a great song. They bring back Grant and Nathan from the upbeat to add additional instruments to it. Wow. Just a really strong closing track. I love it. Like I said, it's definitely my favorite song on the album. Being the last song, I feel like it could easily be overlooked. I don't know if sometimes people don't make it that far into records or... Whatever, missing this track. I know. You'd be really missing a classic. You would. This song for me is right up there with some of my favorite Ska songs of all time. All right, so now we're going to uh, take a look at the cover art for Duck and Cover. It features the same two old men the band placed on the cover of their first album. No way. Rather than enjoying an adult magazine together, this album places them in front of what looks like an old World War II bomber. They're both dressed in flight suits as the Mad Caddy's logo floats overhead. The, the back of the album is an airplane sort of like dropping bombs. <laughs> Such a weird one.
0: Uh, the, the, the front cover is, uh, you know, how old were you when you first came in contact with this? Eighteen. Eighteen. Like, perfect age. You got this, like, literally, they call it a bombshell for a reason. You know, the woman on the, on the bomb. Yeah.
1: According to Mark DeSalvo, who did the artwork for this and many other great album covers in the late 90s and early 2000s, Fat Mike originally had the idea of the two guys from the first record flying the bomber. He wanted them in the plane, but Mark decided to change it up a bit as he wanted to get the girl on the bomb in the image. And thought the guys in the plane wouldn't be large enough to be recognized. Such a great one. So, um, is this a drawing? Yes. Amazing. Yeah. I mean, it... Mark uh, DeSalvo, he did, like, you know, lag wagon covers. He's done No Use for a Name covers. Pulley. He's done some work with no effects. A lot of the great... Punk rock records of the late '90s, early 2000s have his artwork on. That's it. spectacular. Yeah, if you scroll, if you go to like his website or you look him up, he's got a lot of great records to his credit. I know the name of the Salva,
0: but uh, I didn't realize that um, you know so many of uh, these albums are are done by him. So mm-hmm. really cool.
1: Yeah, apparently Fat Mike asked Mark to bring in this painting to see, and uh, as it was being put together. Mark only had a rough brown underpainting completed at the time, and Mike hated it. It wasn't exactly the idea he had in mind, and Mark informed me that Mike hates the color brown. (laughs) Luckily, he let him continue, and he ended up really liking the finished painting. For the back cover, Mark explained to me that he did that painting as an option for the back cover. They didn't really like the idea of the bomber dropping bombs on the back, but liked it once they saw the finished painting.
0: I think it makes for a good back cover. It would be really hot as a front cover. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Another thing that's really cool is they have a picture of on the inside sleeve of yeah. the record. I, I forget it might be the inner tray of the CD. That's They've right. They've got the the plane flying and you get an aerial view of like some farmland. And it's really cool because like the Fat Records logo is sort of embedded in the farmland, almost like a crop circle or something. You've got this baseball field over here. It's just like a really cool picture. It is, and
0: it all kind of goes really well together. The There's, nod to the band moving from
1: Honest Dons to Fat. It's such a well-designed album. Uh, Fat Mike was clearly very involved in the art for this record. Mark sort of alluded to the fact that the band didn't really have any ideas, and Fat Mike sort of stepped in and, and helped them out. Sasha confirmed this for me by simply stating, we sent the label the title, and they just went with it.
0: I mean, that's amazing that uh, Mike had so much to do with the way that this thing looks. Yeah. And from the sounds of it, too, you know, to a degree, the way it sounds, too. But mm-hmm. um, that is super cool. because uh, And did Sasha say that they came up with Duck and Cover? Did you think they came up with it before this artwork or after?
1: I think they had the title... I don't know how they came up with the title, but they had the mm. title, but they didn't have any ideas about what to do for the artwork, so they cool. sent it to the label, and the the label just kind of took it and,
0: and it's perfect. put something together. And it's perfect. Yeah, it makes yeah. total sense. Cool. Yeah.
1: Alright. For me, this was a huge album to rise up out of the sudden ska boom in the late 90s. It's one of the few albums from that era that has remained in my rotation. Like everyone else, I got swept up in the ska craze, and I probably kept up with it a little longer than most. But many of those albums didn't hold a long and lasting impression on me the way others did. Mm. This album, probably due to its diversity, has long been a mainstay of my collection. I love the way the band effortlessly flow from ska to punk to reggae and jazz. It's an interesting album to listen to because it avoids feeling repetitive. I also can't decide which version of the band I like the best. Are they better when they play ska? Do I like the punk songs better? I don't know because they do all of it so well. I think this album also holds a special place in my heart because it was something I was listening to a lot when I entered college. Such an important transition in my life, and these songs are a part of that. I think it's a really cool um, thing that we can listen to it now, and you mentioned
0: you bring it back to, it immediately brings you back to that spot. No, when, when, uh, you know, the other side too is when you, um... You, you go back to those tracks; of they're they're so unique, and that's why you know I want to go back and listen to Road Rash. I want to go back and listen to Popcorn. It's probably why you know it's a good sign of like a favorite album. I didn't realize that it was this uh, as favorite of an album to you as it is, but uh, I share a lot of those similarities, and um, it's nice to be able to go back to those songs. And they've been done so well that it's like a enjoyable experience to go back to these songs. Totally.
1: Yeah, when you suggested this record, I was like, yeah. Awesome. Solid choice, my friend. (laughs) So Tony, I'd like to thank you for coming down here today and talking about this record with me.
0: Jed, I totally appreciate you giving me the opportunity to come out here and uh, ramble for however long (laughs) we've, we've talked. This album is definitely near and dear to my heart. I'm glad that it is for you. Uh, you know one of the things that I just want to share with anyone else who's listening out there is I remember like one of the first or second practices that I ever had uh, within a band and I remember seeing this tape and the no intention sticker on it (laughs) it but it was Nintendo and um, you know I immediately you start thinking about man what would it be like to play with this band? You yeah. know? and um, and then you start talking to people who have seen this band, and, and again, you're you're a brand new band or whatever, and, um, and then finally we we play these shows um, locally at Flywheel and the Gabbies. Uh, these are more than a decade ago it's kind of amazing and uh, to be able to do this now uh, after all those years so uh, years later yeah that's uh, a sign of uh, friendship over just like totally. being uh, you know bands in
1: a scene so thanks again for the opportunity and I look forward to the next time awesome man yeah we did a lot countless countless shows together yeah. and always had a good time so I knew that this would be fun and I wanted to get you on here at talk records so thanks for coming down thank you my man I'd also like to thank uh, Mad Caddy's guitarist, Sasha, for being kind enough to respond to my emails, also Vanessa from Frat Records for putting me in touch with him, I'd like to thank artist Mark DeSalvo for answering my questions about the art, and of course, thank you to anyone tuning in to listen, and to many of you who have connected with us through email or Instagram. Thanks for listening, make sure you go back and check out past episodes, and Stay tuned for future fun, talking
2: records. All right, Tony, thanks a lot. Thanks. Take care.